0: G'day everybody and welcome back to The Extras. My name is Sam. And I'm Raj, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, it's great to be with you uh, on the podcast again this week. And uh, Raj, we're, we're tackling questions out of Joel chapter 2. We've had a really special couple of weeks in, in the book of Joel. I've, I've really enjoyed getting into it. For me, it's it's certainly a part of the scripture that I'm, I'm less familiar with, but I'm, I'm finding just so many connections to other parts of the Bible. And I'm, I'm seeing the way that God is just um, faithful to his promises right throughout um, and uh, yeah, le- le- learning lots and, and being challenged lots. Um, so thanks for serving us.
1: Well, I'm, I've, I've loved getting into Joel myself. I have before, but um, I've just, you know, it really does deepen our understanding of salvation. I think by providing such a strong, Backdrop about the reality of judgment, which is something I think we find difficult to talk too much about um, in this day and age. But the section we've just come to last Sunday was not about that, it was just this incredible picture um, about what it's going to be like for those who do respond to that invitation return to me, Um, getting the spirit pouring out you know that's just an, an amazing image in itself it's not just a little tokenistic kind of thing um and the implicate the cosmic implications of that and and it, it just teases out a number of different different things the, the image of a sun being turned to darkness with just takes a straight to the cross of jesus mm-hmm. um and i think it's in it's incredibly special that these are the words that the apostle peter picks up on uh, on the day of Pentecost, on the temple steps. So mm-hmm. after all that, they've just realised the special time it is. That's where Peter goes, Yeah. Um, quoting almost verbatim these
0: words. That's it. So he can see uh, in the death and resurrection, and in the and then in the giving of the Spirit, he can see all of Joel's kind of um, all the expectation that Joel lays up com- coming to fruition.
1: Yeah, coming to fruition, and just it, it changed their lives. Yeah. And you know, I, I didn't talk about that so much on on Sunday actually, but the impact it had on the apostles and the early church to realize that this was it really it just propelled them into the future yeah and it changed what they thought was important in the world 100%
0: um, yeah, mate, that's a really helpful summary um, just to, to get us in, and this is a really rich um, section, and to that end, there's lots of rich questions to, to tackle today, so we, we might dive in. Um, if you're listening along, it might be really good to have your Bible there. Um, we always just want to keep making sure that as we, as we um, answer questions, that we're doing so by searching the Scriptures and, and seeing what does the Bible actually say, so please, as you're listening, if you can, you might be out on your walk, and that's okay, good on you, enjoy the fresh air. Uh, through your mask but uh, if you're at home and you've got a chance to have a bible handy that'll be that will be really good um so let's dive in Raj um the first question here is just a a kind of more general question about the spirit because it is the spirit that um God promises to pour out here particularly in, in verse 28 um and uh someone's just texted and said look why should I actually care about getting the spirit why is that such a big deal
1: yeah thank you um my mind goes to a few different things there, Sam, and and one place it just goes to pretty pretty quickly is Ephesians chapter one, and Ephesians one, around uh, about verse thirteen fourteen, talks about the Spirit being given as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance for what is to come, mm. um, the, the seal of a promised Holy Spirit, and and then what I said, and and so in no small part, you know, for to to have the Spirit of God now. Um, it, it's kind of like a foretaste of what is to come. Mm. And life with the Spirit, it transforms us. Galatians 5 talks about this, transforms us from being people controlled by the sinful nature. It's now being people who have the significant influence of the Spirit working within us
0: mm. uh,
1: to be restored to be the people we were created to be.
0: Mm.
1: So that then pushes my mind into thinking about what a privilege it is. To be able to be called sons and daughters of God,
0: Mm. Um,
1: and having the Spirit is is really something that happens in association with that. Yep, um, which then makes us long for the last day.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, The other thing that I was thinking about, Raj, as we were just as I was looking at these questions, was um, I I think one of the like in the context of Joel, the, the first two chapters have been all about Israel and their failure to obey god and kind of carry out his commandments and and therefore they found themselves under his judgment of the, of this locust plague um and, and you know that the old testament expectation particularly in like a place like ezekiel 36 is that um god promises this time where actually israel and god's people will be changed from the inside out so that they'll actually be able to you know from that point onward actually Joyfully and happily do what God calls uh, what God commands and so I I wonder if part of what's so good as well as what you were saying about you know being confirmed you know with this deposit and and knowing that we are the children of God there's also a transformative effect I think going on um, that now I can actually um, obey God and without the spirit of God I I can't do what God calls me to do
1: yeah and you mentioned Ezekiel 36 and you know, often that section, particularly chapter 37 of Ezekiel, it's talked about as the valley of dry bones mm. because the image given to us is um, these dry bones that were dead being revived by the Spirit of God.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so huge thing. So huge. we don't um, we, we don't want to at any point underplay the significance of the fact that we, we can now have the Spirit. That is just a, a, a wonderful gift from God. All right. Yeah. Let's um let's dive into the second one here. Um, one of the things that Joel two um, predicts on the day of the Lord is uh, fire and columns of smoke. And you see that verse thirty and thirty one of chapter two. Um, someone's texting in Raj. Where do we see that in the death of Jesus? You made the point that that there's a a connection to this day of the Lord when when Christ dies. Um, uh, so so where do we see the the fire and the columns of smoke in the death of, of Jesus? We'll we'll start with that. Yeah,
1: thank you. So, look, fire through the Bible, it's pretty consistently an image of judgment. So, I take the fire and smoke together. Okay. And um, um, all through, you know, the Bible, we just had these images of sometimes it's actually said, you know, in the days of Noah, God destroyed the world by flood. In the future, he talks about it being by fire. At least that's the image we're given in a number of places. Yep so the death of jesus you know it's very powerful that it comes to a kind of fruition there and that is um jesus is taking the judgment that we deserve by being on the cross mm. um, i think it's made pretty clear that that's the case just the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon turned to blood which as i mentioned briefly on sunday is was probably a, an eclipse Yep, and that's of course what happens in an eclipse. Yep,
0: um,
1: but it's not just a random historical event; it's an event that the Lord Himself is behind mm. and organised to happen at that precise moment of Jesus being on the cross, okay. so that we can understand the fulfilment that's going on. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry, that's the first part of it. Just my, my reflections on that question, Sam.
0: Yeah, thank you. That that's very helpful. So that so the fire in that sense is more as Christ takes upon himself the wrath of God, that there is the fire and the smoke, um, and it's 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 kind of pointed to as God stands behind this, this eclipse and this uh, sort of uh, darkness that, that the gospel narratives actually point to physically happening. Is that right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it.
0: Okay. The second part of this question then, Raj, uh, is about the verses that follow versus... Um, uh, well, ha- basically, it's a question about how 28 and 29 relate chronologically to 30 and 31 um so we're just trying to look at what is the chronology in Joel's thinking there it sort of feels like he starts with the spirit being poured out and then he moves to the judgment so oh, so sorry moves to the um the, the day of the Lord whereas at least in the New Testament it kind of feels like the day of the Lord comes when Jesus dies and then the spirit is poured out after that and I don't at least in my growth group we were we were tossing this around last night just trying to understand the chronology there. Do you have any help for us um, as, as to how that works?
1: Look, I'm delighted to hear that this is a question that's come up, not just in the q and you know, the questions that have come in, but also in your growth group and probably others. I, I, I'm not sure how helpful this is. I think we need to be quite careful in um, reading chronology into poetry like Joel. Mm. and bearing in mind as well the the concept of time is something that we are far more attuned to and we think of in particular ways yep for joel he he's just 600 or whenever it is 600 bc or before or after that slightly he's just looking into the future and seeing this these last days come to fruition mm. and I think the last days certainly began with the coming of Jesus. I think that's pretty clear here in verses 30 and 31 and those images that are given to us. Um, but I just don't think Joel is intending to lay out a chronology by which yeah. these events are going to unfold. Yeah. Um, his point is more of a macro kind of point, um, which I think is actually quite helpful for us. That is the, the macro point is... We are now in the last days. There's a new epoch, there's a new era, mm-hmm. and we should be living for that. And I just think that's incredibly helpful to us, even now in lockdown in COVID, to realize God himself has a bigger picture, and we are just a small speck, and the moment of time that we're now in, it's a small speck in mm. what he has in mind.
0: That's very helpful. Uh, and I'm gonna give 10 points to Angus Davis in our growth group, who basically, you know, that that was his, his pitch to our group last night. So well done, Angus, you know? Well,
1: look, maybe he talked to me. No, he didn't talk to me for this morning. But did you want to expand on that at all, Sam, you—it sounds like you guys last night talked more about these issues.
0: Yeah, no, not not particularly. Um, we we were sort of yeah working at th- that angle of poetry, and, and also just making the point that um, Joel doesn't actually specify a, chron- a chronology there. He just sort of sees these things as coming in the future. Um, and, uh, and then as it's, as you come to the new Testament that you see the way that they play out both with the death of Jesus and then with Pentecost to follow. So, uh, yeah. but I think you've helpfully picked that up for us. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's just, uh, I, I think of it like this, you know, Joel is having this image and it's, it's such a magnificent image, particularly in light of the judgment that was coming, which we've talked about in the last few weeks. Mm and so now he's just overwhelmed with different aspects of what's in store
0: yeah yeah
1: you know the spirit's coming judgment is coming on jesus um um, and everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved verse 32 like it's like a collage he's building up um and and he's more struck by the picture that he's being painted overall Mm. than by the order in which it's going to be painted up
0: yeah Uh, very helpful okay um now, we've got a couple more questions on um, on Joel. So I might actually skip down to those first and then we'll come back to a couple of application questions. So I'll, I'll go down to uh, number f- um, uh, five and six there, Raj. Uh, so uh, and it's a question about uh, the, whole, the, the whole concept around the, the promise that Joel makes that people will have dreams and see visions and then prophesy. And there's, there's a bunch of questions that have come around this. Um, and the question is... Firstly, what are those things talking about? What what are they each? And should we expect in our age uh, to see to see visions, to have a dream uh, like Joel describes, to prophesy? Should, should I expect that stuff? If I've got the spirit, should I? Yes, should I be doing those things? So, firstly, what are they? And secondly, should I expect to have them?
1: Yeah, So, look what what are they? In fact, there was a helpful comment that came in from Deb Mullins who just delighted Deb actually wrote the growth group studies and it's just helpful to throw it in here. And I thank Deb for for taking the time to make the comment as well. And she just makes the point, just a thought about prophecy, dream, dreams, see visions. My understanding is that these might be old Testament ways of speaking of the same thing or that all upon whom the spirit falls are prophets. And so, and, and the role as Christians like all prophets, is to declare salvation on Jesus to the world in these last days, um, and she says some other things as well, very kind words. But, but, but just picking up on that, you know, that is certainly a very strong possibility that that um, those things in the Old Testament with different ways of talking about pretty much the same thing. Mm. And the purpose was to declare salvation, which is the whole point we see here in Joel. Yep. And in the new testament the day of Pentecost, that's exactly what we see in the fulfillment of this, you know, the different people in their languages, they're hearing, uh, it's not the people are drunk, they're hearing um, the wonders of God being declared. We're mm. um, just acknowledging prophecy and what exactly prophecy is, is something books have been written about. Um, uh, for some, you know, it, 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 you look in the Old Testament, it's particular prophets like Joel given particular words to say. Um, more generically, that that is declaring the word of God. In the New Testament, I think there is an argument to be made that prophecy is more talking about how the word of God applies in someone's life. So there's a whole bunch of different things. Mm. Um, dreaming dreams and seeing visions we, we see exactly that kind of thing happening um, in the book of Acts with, you know, visions Cornel- that Cornelius has, for example, yep. and they are signs of a new age coming.
0: Mm.
1: Now, um, let me just push, push into that a bit more. Joel, speaking 600 or so years before Christ, he's looking to the future. And he's looking, he's trying to lay an expectation that when we see these these things happening, uh, that is when the last days um, have come. And I just find it quite interesting that we then, and I read this, I think, in a few of the Q&As on the weekends, uh, we then come into Hebrews 1. So Hebrews 1 is written post-Jesus. And and now the, the, the difference, biblical theology is the technical term, but that is how the revelation of the Bible unfolds is the kind of, topic we're talking around mm-hmm. so joel is pointing us forward to look to the time of jesus hebrews 1 which is akin to us being on this side of the cross it says hebrews 1 1 in the past god spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he had made the universe. And so we, we have, it picks up on that term again, last days. Mm. And now at, at this time, Joel points forward to the last days. Hebrews 1 points back to the last days. Mm. Okay. In other words, it, it's pointing us to Christ. And one of the things I just think is really important to say in, in thinking about this topic, because there are a whole lot of um, people out there these days, I think, if I may say so, you know, they're wrong. But there are a whole lot of people out there saying we should be looking to have dreams and seeing visions, and that's how we should be looking to see how God speaks today. But I think Hebrews 1, it it prods in a different direction. It says, look back at Christ.
0: Mm.
1: Now, qualification, very important qualification, Um, we can't restrict God. He's sovereign over all things. He can speak in any way he chooses to, and he does from time to time. But that is different to asking the question, where should we look to see where God speaks?
0: Mm. Um,
1: And Joel is trying to propel us forward to Jesus. Hebrews is trying to point us back to Jesus. Um, In the past, it's happened many times, prophets and and all kinds of, and various ways. But now it happens through his son.
0: Mm. Yep. So in that sense, Joel is... Uh, pointing us towards a particular moment, the the kind of the the, the event in human history where where Jesus came into the world, died and rose again and saying around that moment, there'll be, you know, remarkable things like these dreams and stuff. But and then Hebrews points us back to that, to say that that was the moment um, all to do with Jesus. Is that kind of a summary there?
1: That's very. I should have said that again. It happens all the time with me, but that's a pretty good summary of what I'm trying to say. Yeah.
0: Team effort. Uh, that's that's really helpful. So, okay. Um. So in that sense, then, um, uh, Revelation six um has similar um kind of signs. So someone's sent in, uh, you know, Revelation six twelve, which um I'll read in a moment. Um, and their question is, which one is the day of the Lord? So. Uh, Revelation 6 verse 12 says, uh, I watched as he opened a sixth seal, there was a great earthquake, the sun turned black like sackcloth uh, a sackcloth made of goat hair and the whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky uh, fell to earth and so on and so forth and their question is, is that the day of the Lord or is um, death of Jesus the day of the Lord, which one?
1: Yeah, thank you for the question, so I, I just... Isn't it great to see people tying different parts of the Bible together like this? It's really quite encouraging. Um, in the same way in Joel, it talks about fire and smoke, and, and that's given to us as an image for judgment. So it's poetry.
0: Yep.
1: So too yep. in Revelation. In, in Revelation in many ways is doing the same thing. Now It's not poetry in the same kind of way. It's apocalyptic literature. But the way that works is it, it uses symbols and images to help us understand what's going on. Yep. it's a great danger to take apocalyptic literature um literally and all kinds of people have you know done all kinds of formulae over time and worked out exactly when the day of the lord is coming back um, if i can put it like that um, but really in the bible the day of the lord it's a period that is a period of time that begins with the death and resurrection of jesus and and the so so it's come in a sense in that's because of the judgment jesus has taken but also a bit like other things in the bible now but not yet um it's come now because of that but it also has not fully come yet because it's only going to come fully when jesus returns Mm. so from joel's perspective he's able to look into the future and see that as a complete kind of set of things because he's looking in the future for us sitting here we look back and we see the start and we look into the future and see um, its fulfilment or its completion. So it's no surprise to me at all. In fact, it's so encouraging to see similar concepts being picked up on that yeah. are reinforcing the same thing. So the whole moon turned blood red um, and so on and so on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very helpful. Um, okay, last one on, on Joel, and then I'll go to a few more application-type questions. Uh, and that is, um, for the people of Joel's day, what fulfilment did did they, if any, did they see at that time of these verses twenty-eight to thirty-two? Um, w- we've sort of seen how it's fulfilled in, in, in when Christ comes and the Spirit is poured out. But how would they have understood the prophecy and been encouraged by it? Um, do you think?
1: Yeah. Thanks, you whoever put this question because this really gets us into the whole issues around the complex the complex set of issues around the dating of Joel, mm. and. So what they would have seen, so around about that time, around about 580 B.C. or so, was when the exile happened, as um, nations, in fact, we're coming into this in Chapter 3 next Sunday, uh, the surrounding nations were used by God to bring about judgment to the nation of Israel. Mm. Um, and so they'll carry it off, and there's a few different stages of that. Uh, and, but within that, there was a remnant who was protected and ultimately would be the remnant that came back to Jerusalem um, which which happened a couple of centuries later on. So so there you see both judgment happening and you also see God's people being rescued because God is faithful to his people um, who return to him. Mm. And, and so they're the sorts of things they would have seen. Now, it's a far more complex discussion, Sam, as to exactly when and exactly what um, people are divided about on exactly which perspective Joel has. Um, which is the reason behind the the, the wide possibilities for the dating of Joel as mm. a
0: book? Is it also a possible Raj that, that uh, as as with some parts of um, the Old Testament, there is a a, a, a local fulfilment, but there is also um, a not yetness to the so that so that parts of it aren't fulfilled until Jesus comes. Is that fair to say as well?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, some of these images are very much like that.
0: Mm. Um,
1: the New Testament. Um, was written in concepts and in language and ways that people could understand. Yep, because so I'm moving to some you know some heavy theology here, but that's why people listen to the extras.
0: Yep, good. Uh,
1: We are limited, we human beings, we are limited by our fallen reason. Um, we can't, we can't, we're limited in our ability to understand God. And so in God's kindness, the way he has communicated to us is in ways in which we can understand. Mm. So, for example, we take the Old Testament Exodus, yes. um, which I think I can take as something known to many extras listeners hmm. um, and just the heavy physical image about people being saved from slavery to Egypt. And that they are very real events. Um, But ultimately, the reason they're given is to help us understand the nature of us being saved from being slaves to sin, to the promised land. Um, So you take the exile, the images of judgment and rescuing of the remnant we've been talking about in Joel. Exactly the same thing, very real for them. But really, the reason we're given, so even taking it a step further from what you said, Sam, Mm. the reason that's in the Bible uh, is because um, uh, God's ultimate purpose is to help us understand the incredible promises that are available for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I think there's in that a bit of a, a good lesson about what we call, I guess, typology, which is that you, you get a, a kind of an Old Testament reality that, that had a, a real-time kind of application there and then, um, some of which then looks forward to a, a more full fulfilment um, here and now where we are on this side of the cross um, but there are other bits of the Old Testament I think that, that don't have a, a, a then and there um, that they, they don't happen back then and there. They're, they're actually only looking forward does that make sense? Yeah So there's a, there's a breadth to typology and I think sometimes w- when we're being a bit too kind of mechanical we, we're always looking for a way that it was clearly fulfilled back then which isn't always the way sometimes there are bits that are waiting till, till this side of the cross yeah.
1: yeah, that that's really helpful. And look, just worth saying, I think to everyone listening in, thank you for listening in. I love having these discussions, um, and but I do feel on Sundays, it's it's hard to do that when we're preaching for a broad group of people. Yeah. Um, which is why it's great to have the extras where we can explore these ideas more, and also in growth groups. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Let's turn to some application now, Raj, as we sort of make our way towards home. Um, uh this one here is um how do we live in the hope of jesus uh which is you know all of what joel two was pointing us forward to but how do we live in the hope of jesus when we feel pulled down by the weight of suffering
1: yeah i i love this question because of it's you know just trying to wrestle with how to apply what we're learning in joel in this way um and look, we are pulled down by the weight of suffering. For, for many at the moment, just in lockdown, it's it's a very challenging period. Um, now, let me just reflect on, on what we see in Joel. There is judgment around in Joel. And what happens is people realize and are able to face up to that judgment. It's pointed out to them, to be fair. Um, and then in realizing the judgment that's coming, they also realise the incredible invitation of God to return to me mm. in chapter 2, verse 17. They realise and are taught about the, the, the compassionate nature of God um, who is slow to anger and abounding in love. And so what then ultimately really, you know, looking at the cross where the fullest expression of that happens, it provides an incredible perspective on the suffering that one is experiencing in this world, because judgment is a reality in this world. Mm. And I think in the Bible, it it doesn't say to ignore suffering. Um, It it really says, in fact, it says the opposite. It says anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Um, But it also just talks about living for the future and not this world, uh, which I think is the key then coming back to this question as to how we live in the hope of Jesus when we feel pulled down by the weight of, of suffering and glory. Mm. So we, one of the things I try to do, keep looking back to the cross. Um, I, I compare my own suffering to the suffering of Jesus who gave his life. So there's just something putting it in perspective. Mm. Um, I come back to language like Romans 8, that all things work together for the good of those who love him. Um, and together with the assurance of salvation that's there, so it propels me forward. Um, and so I just, I think there's some of the keys. Mm.
0: Um,
1: being propelled back to the cross, and then being catapulted forward to the glory that awaits.
0: Yeah, bring it on. I'm looking forward to the glory that comes. Um, the second application question is around uh, the idea of, um, I guess that that prophetic kind of speaking of the word of God that, that uh, Joel 2 kind of calls us to so that everyone can call on the name of the Lord. Um, someone's asking a question about methodology, which is, uh, is our job as Christians to, to be the invitation to people as a church, uh, or are we the beacons to bring people to the invitation? So, like, am I the one who speaks, or do I just sort of get them to where somebody else can speak to them, or... Yeah, what's the method? How how do we do mission here in a way that honors Joel too? I um,
1: love this question too, uh, and and I, I love it because it's it, someone and maybe lots of people trying to grapple into how this you know how this works, um, and what what exactly our role is. And I did finish with a you know pretty strong um, um, landing in in just having a passion for the lost. Mm. uh my my word now not the words i used on sunday and look turning to the, the specifics of a question i think i want to say it could be either or it could be something else yep um yep. and i think firstly what the bible i think we should have if, if we rightly understand where this world is heading we should have an incredible priority uh to to see people saved yeah Day of Pentecost, this passage was read, and the rest of the story of Acts is how it was just unstoppable, the gospel going forward. People would stop at nothing. And sometimes we see people there um, being the invitation uh, to people, and other times they were the beacons to bring people so that others would then introduce them to the gospel. Mm. And and um, that that is to do with opportunity. That is to do with giftedness. Um, but for me, I, if if I had the opportunity to share with someone what it was, how this invitation worked, um, I would want to do all I could, uh, if, if pragmatically speaking, um, I wasn't in the best position relationally, or I didn't have the knowledge, I would then want to introduce them to someone else who Mm. might be in a better position or who has more knowledge. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I like the image of, um, uh, like Jesus calls us to be fishers of people, um, and, and I think there are different ways to fish. Sometimes you are the kind of um, rod and reel kind of fishing one on one with the fish and trying to bring it in all on your own. Um, other times you're kind of net fishing and you've just got your hand on part of a net with a group of others trying to trying to bring them in, and that might be something like you know you're inviting someone along to a to a you know evangelistic course like introducing God or. Um, or maybe even well, you're just serving in the kitchen of introducing God uh, in order to facilitate others who've brought someone else along, but different ways of net fishing. And I think kind of both end for us. We we want to just be fishes and. at every point. And,
1: and look, in our context, Summerfest is the great example of net fishing.
0: Yeah. That's you know, right.
1: Lots of people doing lots of small things and yet together as God's people. Yep. At Carinford and North Rocks, just look at what is possible.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, last one, Raj, as we, as we wrap it up here, um, Someone's uh, put in just a, a kind of clarification question um, where you... Because you, you made a comment um, at Night Church about uh, mental health. Um, uh, I think you, you probably made that comment across the day. Um, just uh, noting that um, you... Uh, well, someone said, look, the impression that I got was that uh, people with mental illnesses don't trust God enough. And I don't think you intended that, but just trying to look for clarification. Because you were talking about it in in the context of... Uh, uh the, the the plagues going on in joel um yeah can, can you give us some some clar- clarity clarity yeah. there yeah
1: sure look thank you to the person who's put this in and um even as it's acknowledged I, I certainly did not intend to um suggest people with mental illnesses don't trust god enough um and and just even reading the question i i just I, i'm so aware that Look, without COVID, I, I'm aware of lots of people who have mental health issues. With COVID, I know it's been exacerbated. I know it can be really hard to get in and get help and so on at the moment. Um, and so, I just, I just want to say to people who are struggling, either because of COVID or even before COVID, um, I really, really feel for the struggles that you're having. I have known many over the years who have, um, um, and, and, you know, in, in this world you can't say because you have a mental health struggle that that is because of sin that you have been involved with you can't say it's because you don't trust god enough um i do I, i do have grief because over the years people have said that kind of thing and and just been a bit superficial and lacked understanding and empathy about um about the struggle and i guess the solution i think it's very complex um and and I feel for many who are involved. In fact, if you're having if you're having those issues, I just want to encourage you to go and talk to a GP or talk to a mental health professional uh, who is in a position to help. And I often, you know, encourage people in that direction. Um, it, it hasn't happened because you don't trust God enough. Uh, it may be the case that you don't trust God enough, but but that may or may not be linked to a mental health struggle or any other struggle, uh, for that matter, or another aspect of sin. And I just want to encourage people that um, sin is in this world and that is the reason Joel teaches us. That's the reason that uh, the, in as much as we can understand the core of the sin in Joel, it's because people haven't magnified the name of God and the manifestations of that take all kinds of expression mm. and, and um, some of those we think of as more extreme, others we think of in, in other ways uh, but that is the underlying problem by which judgment is coming, um, both for the people of Joel's time and also for us. And and um, there are a whole lot of reasons that suffering is in this world, and I include it in that mental health. Um, and that may be connected with someone's individual sin, but it may not. Many mm. times it's not. Um, so and look, my, my illustration on that, Sam, you, you think of, you know, Martin, Brian, in the in the Port Arthur Massacre a number of years ago now, there was one guy uh, who was, because of his actions, many suffered. Mm. And they suffered not necessarily because of anything to do in their own lives. Mm. Um, and so, be it mental health or a number of other things. Yeah. That's reality of living in this world. Yeah, and so okay. is
0: it is it fair then to say that sort of the point you were making was was less that your own struggles with any kind of sin or suffering or anything like that are are um, a kind of pointers like sorry not sin just your own experience with suffering is a personal kind of you know link between your own sin and a and a kind of call to come back to God. I, I don't think you were saying that. Um, you were more just saying, as we see these things, as they exist in the world, it kind of shows us that the world is not right and, and kind of corporately calls the world to come back because we, we want to come back to God because the world is like it is because humanity um, are like we are. Is that kind of the point you were making?
1: That's it. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, It's a generic thing. It's not necessarily a personal thing.
0: Yeah. So whether it's mental health or some other issue, every time we see the world not being as it should, it's just a reminder that... We all need to come back to God because this world is broken um, and, and is not like it should be. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Very good. Well, Raj, that's it. That's our questions for today. They're fantastic questions, and we want to say thanks so much to everyone for for um, engaging and thinking and wrestling. And we hope that's helpful for you. Um, do keep you know wrestling and asking questions, and we'll do our best to keep answering them here. Um, during the week and uh, just before we go though, Raj, just give us a quick snapshot. This coming Sunday, we, we hit Joel chapter 3 and uh, what, what are some of the things we're going to see? Look,
1: Joel 3, um, we're not looking at all of it. We're going to verse 16, but Joel 3 is is looking at both um, uh, the reality and harshness of judgments But also, maybe I'll just tantalise people like this. Also, the joy that does come with judgment for God's people.
0: Mm, Interesting. Okay, looking forward to to digging into that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Raj. Appreciate all your work. And uh, folks, we'll see you online for church this weekend. And uh, I hope you're having a great uh, great week and trusting God in the midst of it all. God bless, and we'll, we'll see you Sunday. Thanks, Sam. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.